BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As thousands of firefighters confront a growing number of wildland blazes across the state, crews in Butte County rush to a new incident near the site of the deadliest fire in California history. At last check, the Dixie Fire has burned at least 1,200 acres and is 0% contained. KQED's Dan Brecky has more. The Dixie Fire started Tuesday in the Feather River Canyon on the border of Butte and Plumas counties. CAL FIRE ground crews aided by an aggressive aerial attack, including very large air tankers, worked to limit the fire's spread. The blaze started just five miles upriver from the spot where the 2018 campfire ignited. That wind-driven wildfire ravaged the town of Paradise and neighboring communities and killed 85 people. Unlike that catastrophe, winds so far have pushed the Dixie Fire away from near by towns. But residents of two communities, Polga and Megalia, have been advised they may have to evacuate. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky. Meanwhile, crews are facing challenging conditions as they continue to work to extinguish the massive Beckworth Complex fire burning north of Lake Tahoe. It's currently the largest fire burning in the state. Jake Cagle with the U.S. Forest Service in Plumas National Forest describes some of the conditions crews faced yesterday afternoon and evening. The fire did spot out and it continued to grow. What we're seeing out there is the column is laying over and that's going laying over to the northeast with that we're seeing 50 mile an hour winds fire whirls so basically it's a tornado small little tornado with with firebrands in it and it's throwing it even further outside and Cagle says that forced firefighters to ground aircraft in the firefighting effort. This new fire activity also forced new evacuation orders for the town of Doyle, where several homes have already been destroyed. The fire, which started following lightning strikes in the area, has burned nearly 96,000 acres and is currently 73% contained. Governor Gavin Newsom is urging renters and landlords to sign up for the state's rent relief program. During an appearance yesterday in the Los Angeles area, Governor Newsom said the state has made improvements to make the sign-up process more efficient. We now have a much better website than we did a few months ago, much more culturally competent in language. We have reduced the paperwork and time to fill out applications 
and we built more robust partnerships with community-based organizations all up and down the state. Since the relief program rolled out earlier this year, many renters and landlords who have tried to sign up have complained about the complicated application process and sluggish payouts. More than a billion dollars has been requested by tenants and landlords, but only $158 million has actually been paid out. When it comes to the statewide eviction moratorium, the governor says it's highly unlikely it will be extended past September 30th, the day it's set to expire. Governor Newsom also addressed growing concerns about a rise in new COVID-19 cases across the state. You're seeing all across this country, and as I noted around the rest of the world, the Delta variant becoming the dominant variant. Much more easily transmitted and much more impactful, particularly those who haven't been vaccinated. Those that are in the hospitals, those that have died, overwhelmingly are people that have not been vaccinated. I cannot impress upon you more the power of getting vaccinated. As of late last month, nearly 43% of new COVID cases in the state were tied to the Delta variant. Although Newsom says those numbers are likely to go higher when they're updated tomorrow. Just in the last week, the state's test positivity rate has jumped to 3%, although many health experts say it's not a surprise given the state reopening last month and the number of people who are still not vaccinated. Staying with the pandemic, Yolo County is recommending that all of its residents wear masks indoors, regardless of their vaccination status. Here's County Health Officer Dr. Amy Sisson speaking at this week's Board of Supervisors meeting. If you're fully vaccinated, this is a recommendation, not a requirement. Indoor masking is a strong recommendation if you're 65 or older or are immunocompromised. And Dr. Sisson says vaccines are still the best preventative measure when it comes to stopping the spread of COVID-19, particularly the highly transmissible Delta variant, which we just mentioned, which is far and away the most dominant strain of the coronavirus in Yolo County. 51% of eligible Yolo County residents are fully vaccinated. Yolo is the first county in the Sacramento area to recommend that everyone wear masks indoors. Los Angeles County health officials issued a similar recommendation last Last month. And in Sacramento, Governor Newsom has nominated Natalie Pelugiai to be California's next Secretary of Labor. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details. Pelugiai would replace Julie Sue, who, after a tense, months long confirmation process, will join the Biden administration as Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Department of Labor. Pelugiai was born in Venezuela to Uruguayan parents and would be the first Latina appointed as California's labor secretary. Pelugiai would be responsible for California's Troubled Employment Development Department, which has confirmed paying out at least $11 billion in fraudulent benefits. The EDD scandals nearly derailed Sue's nomination by President Biden. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. 
visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. In Washington, Senate Democrats are going big with the $3.5 trillion investment plan to support families and spur job growth that also includes immigration reform. But as KQED's Farida Javalo Romero reports, some question whether a proposal to legalize undocumented immigrants can really pass as part of this budget bill. The White House supports the Democratic plan, which would pay for clean energy to combat climate change and fund so-called human infrastructure, college, universal pre-K, and expanded health care. Citizenship is essential infrastructure for immigrant families. For many, it's the gateway to a driver's license, to health care, to higher education. California Senator Alex Padilla is pushing to include a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers, essential workers, and other undocumented immigrants in the massive spending package. Creating new paths to citizenship will grow our economy and improve workplaces for all. And that's exactly the purpose of the infrastructure investments that we are developing. Democrats are hoping to pass the spending plan in coming months through a budget process called reconciliation, which requires only a simple majority in the evenly divided Senate. Immigrant advocates have been pushing Democrats to use the process to legalize millions of people. But reconciliation is reserved for things that have a budgetary impact, stuff that increases or lowers taxes and spending. And it's not intended to make major policy changes, says Bill Hoagland. He's a senior vice president with the Bipartisan Policy Center, who worked for decades at the Senate Budget Committee. It would be a stretch uh, to use this process that was set up to set a fiscal blueprint to take on and make major changes in immigration policy. Even if an immigration provision survives the Senate's budget rules, it'll still need all 50 Democratic senators to back it. But it's unclear that will happen, even as polls show a majority of Americans support a pathway to citizenship, says Musafar Chishti, a senior fellow at the Migration Policy Institute because it is such a narrow margin that if two Democratic senators in sort of toss-up contested states are concerned that they may be seen as pro-amnesty, you could see they may not support it. Still, he says that with stiff Republican opposition to a broad immigration reform, this budget process is the only strategy Democrats and immigrant advocates have. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. The Biden administration has approved what could become the first two offshore wind farms along the West Coast, one in Humboldt County and the other in Morro Bay. The wind farms would help California reach its goal of 100% clean electric power by the year 2045. But local fishermen worry the wind farms would jeopardize their livelihoods. So can offshore wind farms coexist with the state's fishing economy? KCRW's Catherine Barnes reports. In the small city of Morro Bay along the central coast, fishermen pass by an ancient volcanic rock that stands like a giant at the tip of the harbor. And they're about to get a much taller neighbor, wind turbines. These things are as big as skyscrapers. You're not going to drive your 21-foot boat through there and go catch rockfish? Are you out of your mind? Chris Pavone is one of roughly 120 fishermen who trap, troll, and drop lines off Morro Bay and Avila Beach. 
He's used to having the ocean more or less to himself. But soon he'll have to contend with hundreds of turbines. They'll be tall, taller than the Seattle Space Needle. And visible, kinda. They won't be in your face like the ones you've seen off the highway near Palm Springs. 17 miles off the coast, they'll look like faint lines poking out of the horizon. And they'll be balancing in deeper waters than turbines have ever known. We're talking thousands of feet. Walt Museal studies future technologies in the offshore wind industry at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. He says these skyscrapers will be floating rather than fixed to the seafloor. So basically it's the same wind turbine on top. From the surface, you might not even know that it's floating, but it's suspended or supported by a buoyant foundation, and it's moored with cables to the bottom with anchors. The project is expected to take up roughly 400 square miles of ocean land, an area more than twice the size of Lake Tahoe. And that's enough area to create the beginnings, at least, of a critical mass for an industry in California. Not only could this project, along with the one approved in Humboldt, become a significant contributor to the state's zero-carbon policies, but it could also replace the energy California will lose once nearby Diablo Canyon shuts down. That's the state's last nuclear power plant and is in the process of getting decommissioned. Museal says wind developers could tap into Diablo's infrastructure to get their power to your home. They have a transmission line that goes to the major California grid system. And when that plant gets decommissioned, that transmission line will be available for other uh, uses. He says the Morro Bay wind farm will more than replace the electricity Diablo currently supplies California, enough to power about a million homes. And a recent Cal Poly study found the farm could generate at least 650 jobs and more than $250 million in annual economic impacts. But the 400-square-mile section will be closed off to fishermen. With mooring lines, cables, and live electrical wires draped underwater between each platform, it's too difficult and dangerous to be dropping nets, traps, and lines. Pavone says it'll become yet another place he can't fish, in addition to dozens of marine protected areas. It's already, if you saw a map of where you can't fish, it's like a mosaic on the ocean. You're like, whoa, so you have to go around here and go over there? Yeah, it's crazy. He worries more displacement will lead to more fuel costs, fewer fish brought to market, and ultimately, more people dissuaded from becoming fishermen at all. So far, only one prospective developer has reached out to the fishing industry to address these concerns. It's called Castle Wind, and Ala Weinstein is the CEO. We'll create a fund for the benefit of the fishermen, and effectively it becomes a revenue-sharing agreement. In other words, if her company should win the bid for a lease, she's prepared to compensate each individual fisherman and set aside money for them to use at their discretion. Improving safety of the boats, improving boats, scholarships, training, whatever they feel is required, including some infrastructure repairs. Pavone and the other fishermen are happy with this agreement, but it's only one developer who hasn't even won the bid for a lease yet. The federal government is expected to open the auction for wind developers to bid next year. For the California Report, I'm Catherine Barnes in Morro Bay. That is the California Report for Thursday, July 15th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day. 
Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care on the web at chcf.org voices. Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. And SFMOMA, presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam June Beck, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 